0: Am I on? There we go. Hopefully, um, that song brings back some of the language, some of that um, theme, that, that picture that we were talking about the last four weeks of, of what it means to be the bride of Christ. And it's a, it, That song is actually like a, a love song to Jesus, telling how beautiful he is, and he is very beautiful indeed. And as we finish um, the teaching series on, on being the bride, I just thought it would be appropriate if... We brought two cross pointers on stage um, who illustrate what it means—one, what it means to be the bride of Christ—but then also illustrates a real-life marriage and how that, in itself, reflects what it means to be the bride of Christ. So tonight, I want you to welcome Kevin and Christy Funk as they come on stage. Make some noise, though.
1: Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Hello. All the good couples were taken.
0: <laughs> so tonight, I, will, I have a couple questions for Kevin and Christine. They'll be doing the, mo- the majority of the talking, um, hopefully. Um, and then hopefully we get to learn. So please pay attention and pick up on that picture and still have in your mind what we talked about, what it means to be the bride of Christ um, over the last four weeks. Um, before we start, I just want to pray. Father well, God, thank you for tonight, and just thank you for this opportunity that we get to continue this conversation of this of what it means to be the bride of Christ and what it looks like. And God, help us just to have open hearts and open ears as we um, just look into uh, a beautiful marriage and and the lives of Kevin and Christy Funk and how you have molded them and shaped them and to who they are today. God, we pray that um, just we can learn from their story, and their experiences, and that you would be glorified, um, and that we could just draw closer to you tonight. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, raise your hand if you know Kevin and Christy Funk. So, yeah, you're you're quite popular. (laughs) Um, So, for those who don't know them, and for those who haven't got a chance to, to know them on a more personal level, I've asked them to to share briefly uh, their own personal story of how they came to Christ. So, whoever wants to go first,
1: go at it. I think I'll go first. Can you guys hear me? Am I good? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, so he asked us to share kind of a brief testimony. And so, um, I'm going to kind of give you a high fly overview of where I came from um, until now. So, The main theme is that God pursued me through several people all through my life, but I didn't always know it, okay? So I started up, I grew up in a very, very lukewarm Christian home. Uh, I attended a Lutheran church, not on a regular basis, just sometimes my family would like get in this, oh, we got to go to church, and then we'd go for a couple of weeks, and then we wouldn't go for months at a time. Uh, I sometimes went to VBS, I sometimes went to Sunday school, I sometimes went to youth group. It was all pretty half-hearted. I was confirmed in the Lutheran Church, which means to become a member. You memorize a bunch of scripture and that kind of thing, and all through that process, I did not know what the Lord had for me, but I was confirmed, I became a member. Uh, I was also baptized there as an infant, okay? So, but when I say a lukewarm Christian home, There was no Christ in my house. So when we were at church, we did our churchy things, uh, but we went home and there was constant cussing, constant fighting, Uh, there was no prayer, there was no talk of Jesus or grace or forgiveness, there was no Bibles, in my home, well, actually, there was one Bible, and most of you probably have never seen one of these in your life, but they were, it was like this big Bible, it was like this big, and it had like a really creepy picture of Jesus on the front, and it sat on the (laughs) coffee table, Um, but nobody ever like read it, or opened it, or anything, we just dusted it well, Uh, so I would say that my family was, we were consumers of the Lutheran Church, but we never contributed in any way to that, um, body of Christ and there was definitely no Christ in my home so that's kind of where I came from uh, fast forward to my teenage years they were filled it was filled with three things boys boys and more boys <laughs> uh, all I could think about was how I was going to get attention from the next boy how I could get him to talk to me pay attention to me invite me to go somewhere Um, We didn't text back then, we wrote notes, (laughs) so that's kind of embarrassing, but if I could get a boy to write me a note or something. Um, So, (laughs) I know I am showing my age. Uh, So anyway, continue on until my 20s, I was about 21. I was a store manager at a popular teen clothing retailer in Northwoods Mall. So uh, that's what I did for a living. I was a store manager, and I had a bunch of employees that were about 16, 17, 18 years old. We sold um, men's and um, women's clothing. And I had hired several employees that went to Peoria Christian, because I thought to myself, if I hire the Christian kids, maybe they won't steal anything. Oh. So that was kind of my plan. So, I worked. I, I mean, I developed friendships, you know, with these kids. Some of them drove me nuts, some of them didn't, but they constantly invited me to come to their church. They all went to this one church that was, um, you guys might know it, it's actually kind of across from ICC, right before Fast Stop, you're headed to Peoria. There was a church there, and back then it was called Faith Christian Center, and um, a lot of these kids that worked for me, they went to Peoria Christian, they all went to the same church, they all went to the same youth group. There were hundreds of kids that went to this youth group. These kids were on fire. They're always inviting me to come to church, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I get to sleep in on Sunday mornings, and I'm probably not going to make it. So anyway, came time. That church decided to put on a play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Has anybody here ever heard of it? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, so it is a play where um, it's very emotional, emotionally driven. It shows... Um, I don't know how to explain it, Kent. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? Uh, I have not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, showing my age. Okay. Anyway, we'll Before, move on from that. Before but anyway, my time. <laughs> so the kids, my employees, okay, that were close to some of your guys' age, and here I am, 21, they're like, we're going to be in this play. You have to come. You have to come. So, of course, I felt like I have to go because I have to support them. They're going to be in this play. But what I did not know is that that night when I went to that play, um, I surrendered my life to Christ. And it was beautiful and, um, and it was amazing. It was the first time I had ever heard uh, what, what God really wanted me to hear, what he needed me to hear. And so, you know, growing up in church, it was like, why is this the first time that I'm hearing this and understanding it and just you know, living it. And so after that, I mean, I was on fire. I was like, I'm gonna go to church every Sunday, and um, I'm just gonna be all in. That's all I wanted. And I had, you know, I remember, I actually have one random memory saying to my mom, I'm like, have you noticed I haven't used any bad words? My mom's like, I did notice that. So I just noticed changes in myself and changes in my behavior, and I just, I just felt on fire for God. But it lasted for about a hot minute, because (laughs) I went to church, well, actually, it probably lasted about three or four months, and I just I didn't have any community there. I didn't have any friends. I didn't start serving there at that church. I just kind of went and did what I knew how to do. I went, and I consumed what they said, but I never offered any of myself. I didn't um, try to get to know anyone. I just kind of came, went, sat, and left. And that's all I did. And so eventually I was back to boys, boys, and more boys. Um, Let me see. Let me read my notes here and get where I'm at here. Okay. Two years later, no shocker, I have a daughter uh, out of wedlock, and... God was still pursuing me, and it was beautiful. And my daughter and I were sitting at a um, we were at an alumni basketball game at, uh, at Eureka High School, and a dear friend of mine, Tiffany Mallory, which is now Tiffany Wiegand, Asher Tanner, Gabe's mom. Um, her and I had been friends since we were little, and she said, "Hey, you got to come to this church in Eureka. We're starting." And I'm like, you're starting a church in Eureka, just what Eureka needs, another church. And I was like, well, what's it, what's it called? She's like, eh, we don't really know yet. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Who's going to be the pastor? Eh, we don't really know yet. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not coming, because you don't have a name, and you don't have a pastor, and you don't know where it's at, and I don't even know what you're talking about, so good talking to you. Um, so that was about the end of that conversation, and then, literally, you guys, so if, if you kind of know the Wiegand family, so Tiffany is Heather's sister, right? Okay, so Heather found out that Tiffany had invited me to church, and Dave then found out, and he pursued me ridiculously. He kept calling me every single week for, I can't even tell you how many weeks, six or seven weeks. He'd be like, hey, I want to invite you to sing in my house. It's called small group. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it? And he's like, well. You know, I was just winking around to talk about God. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go because I can't talk about God because I don't know much. And I don't have a babysitter and, you know, all these things. And I kept giving him excuses, but he would not stop calling. Um, so finally I went, and I got all dressed up because I didn't really know what to wear. <laughs> I remember I got all dressed up, and I went to his house, and I was really nervous. And it was the very first time that I felt the peace of Christ in a home. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So anyway... Um, I guess after going to their community group for a while, I just made a commitment to come to Crosspoint, and I knew that this time I was going to serve and be involved and be committed and give of myself, and here I am, 15 years later. Cool, Dan. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Kevin, tell us a little
0: bit about yourself and your journey to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Absolutely.
2: Am I on? Am I good? Everybody hear me? Cool. Um, all right, so, yeah, um, my, my testimony intertwines with Chrissy's a little bit. Um, I grew up in Roanoke. She grew up in Eureka, so um, we kind of knew each other a little bit, uh, middle school and high school, but uh, growing up, I, I actually grew up in Roanoke. Of course, I just said that. Um, I grew up about a mile away from the apostolic church there in Roanoke. When I was about six, my parents uh, got a divorce, all right, so my dad moved to town in Roanoke, and um, eventually my mom sold the farm, moved to Roanoke as well. So now I have two parents, two different houses, two different locations in Roanoke. Um, So growing up as a young man, young boy, um, I would hear, you know, I grew up to know right from wrong. Okay. Um I had a split house though, so I had I had my dad fully devoted to Christ and to bringing up three children in the way of the Lord. And then my mom didn't really exemplify that as well. I mean, she would try, but it it was so it was like two different, you know, two different sides of a coin, I guess. Um so Um, Whether, you know, I didn't get the attention. My dad was very, you know, he was um, very sad, of course, because of that divorce, right? Um, He thought he was going to be married for life, which most of us do. Um, And so I, you know, I don't know if I, it was that where I was trying to get attention from people, from girls, or or whatever the case was. But I was about seventh or eighth grade. Um, I I dated a couple of girls um, that um, were not good for me. Um, that the relationships there weren't, weren't God-honoring at all. Um, so going into high school, you know, you, you kind of you choose, you have a path to choose, right? And so I, I, kept, I kept looking for um, some acceptance, okay? Not just from girls, but also from guys, too, as in, like, I want to be part of your group. I want to be part of your group. And I actually, back in <laughs> the 90s, um, So country was getting pretty, pretty solid. Country music, right? It started making a comeback. A lot of people were liking it. I actually bought boots and a hat, and I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, I I think it was freshman, freshman year. So I wanted to hang out with all the country folk, right? All the country, country guys. So uh, I tried that for a year. You know, they kind of saw right through that kind of fake, right? So I'm like, all right. And then um, I was involved in some sports too. So my sophomore year. Um, I wanted to be uh, one of those, one of those kids that's always hanging around the guys that that are good at football, baseball, basketball, right? I wanted to be one of those preppy guys, you know, that, that uh, I wanted that group of friends. Uh, well, they saw right through that too. They knew, you know, I was just trying to you know, butt my way in or whatever. So, always looking for acceptance. I always, God, created me to um, to be social and to and to have. A good group of friends and I didn't know that I didn't know God at this point Um, so going through going through high school um, I met a girl uh, 16th birthday so I was a sophomore it was her 16th birthday I met a girl we dated on and off throughout high school Uh, not not a good relationship it was it was to where when we were on we were on when we're off it was bad Um, I lied to her a lot I um, you know, it was just, it, was, it wasn't good, um, so moving on throughout high school, I move out of high school, I graduate, move to Bloomington, and, uh, you know, I'm getting into my 20s now, so again, I'm, I'm not accepting Christ, I have this, I have this good and evil, this, you know, little devil, little angel, right, pulling back and forth, what do I, you know, you know, go to church, you know, you're brought up in the church, but, you know, I'm having so much fun with these friends on the weekends, and and doing all this fun stuff, you know, fun, right? Um, so, years of of this of this internal battle, this internal struggle, and I, and I just, it, you know, all I had to do was lay it down, but I didn't want to, you know. It was a selfish desire in me that that kept me going, um, and unfortunately, all the all this these good times that I was having, I was creating. Terrible memories that still kind of haunt me today, um, and just just a lot of wasted, a lot of wasted time. Um, one one I remember specifically, um, one Sunday morning, I woke up at some random house, um, and it was I woke up at like it was like eight thirty. I remember opening my eyes and I'm, I'm like literally staring at an alarm clock. And it's 8.30 in the morning, and like my very first thought was, I can still make church. I'm like, I haven't been to church in years. And that was my first thought. I'm like, I had like this, this welling up in me to just get up and go to church. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, and my brother's four years older than me, and he's, he's kind of a, a brother that um, is loving, but also is very like, Kev, come on, let's go go to church, go to church, you know, just very like, you know, try, trying to get me to go, and I, you know, that, I was kind of standoffish a little at that time, anyways, I was trying to, okay, where's he going to church, uh, where's he, all right, so anyways, I went to church, and that was kind of the beginning of, of the end of my, um, my, my, my 20s, I guess, my bad, my bad sinful years, I would say, uh, God kept pursuing me though, and that with my wife, with, with any of you, uh, God pursues, and he will not stop. He will not let up, um, no matter how, whatever you do, uh, how, how bad it seems. Um, so this girl that I met in high school on, the, on her 16th birthday that was kind of on and off, we broke up for about four or five years. And um, again, we didn't have texting back then, so uh, we had email, though. We had computers, right? <laughs> right. We had computers. Um, so um, I... Uh, I figured out where she was working. She never left my mind. I mean, it was kind of like, man, I wonder what she's doing, you know, one of those things. So I, I was emailing her. Uh, I found out where she worked. I emailed her. I would literally get a reply once every like two months. I mean, seriously, right? If somebody didn't text you back in 10 seconds, you're like, come on, right? So about two months later, I get a reply. I'm like, OK, hey, cool. So anyways, um, we, um, we went on a, a, a date after about five year breakup or whatever. Um, now now I'm in my, in my mid-20s. Um, and um, at this point, I started to attend the youth group at ISU, uh, campus, campus ministry at ISU. That was, uh, again, that was kind of on and off. I didn't have any good, solid Christian friends to hang out with that I've always wanted, right? I'm always wanting to be accepted in certain groups. Didn't happen. Um, but this girl now that I started talking to again um, she's like she's like hey uh, why don't you come to Eureka I live in Eureka why don't you come to Eureka and um, meet my daughter I'm like, that's cool so I went to the went to the park here in Eureka and um, we hung out for a little bit and it was it was sweet and uh, she actually um, she invited me to um, Dave and Heather Steinbeck's community group um, so if you remember her testimony just a little bit ago <laughs> She's now my wife, so our high school sweethearts. <laughs> high school sweethearts. Um, now you know, into the twenties. Now we're married, um, so it was awesome. It was like as soon as she asked me to go to this community group, it was like I 150% knew that I am completely done with my old way of life, my old habits. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to honor God and um, learn more about him. I didn't know much. She didn't know much. But you know what? Um, we're going we're gonna to hang out at a community group. We're going to do life together, have coffee, eat some sweet snacks. Heather makes the most the awesome, giving, baked goods. <laughs> awesome baked goods of all time. Um, so, anyways, so, yeah, that's, that's basically how I came to know Christ. It wasn't like a lightning bolt moment, but it was like God kept pursuing me. I had this battle of good and evil. And like, you know, it, you know yeah, I wasted a couple of years of my life, but praise God, I'm sitting here on the stage, and hopefully you can take something from that.
0: So it sounds like in your testimony, and, and even in my story, just the faithfulness of God pursuing um, in midst of um, our stubbornness and our, our sinfulness, um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. hopefully this sounds yeah. a lot like being the bride and how God is faithful and always pursues the, the unfaithful bride, right? Um, so in in your testimony and in your relationship with jesus now how does your personal relationship with jesus um, affect your love for one another um, as a married couple now so what are some things that like from your personal experience and your personal relationship with jesus how can you take some of that and and how do you show that love to to the spouse your other spouse
1: well that's a great question Kent. because when we sat down the the one thing that kevin and i knew is that we needed to have Christ in the center of our marriage. The problem was is that we had zero clue how to do that because uh, he grew up in a divorced home, I grew up with cussing and fighting nonstop, and so we had no idea uh, how to do that. Uh, but unfortunately, we um, kind of followed the lead of our cross-point Leadership team at the time and people in our community group and that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about. Um, I you remember when I said I, I fell back in my my own my old sinful ways uh, because of the lack of friends I had. Um, just God created us to be in fellowship with one another, right? Um, I mean, you come here, you have friends, you, it, it's awesome. Um, I think, you know, I, I needed that, you know, I needed it more, like, for a community group. Leading a, leading a community group for us, so we're, we, we, we had a community group for a while, and now um, we attended a group for a couple of years, and now we grew in our knowledge and our, our, what it means to actually, be in community with one another. And now, so leading a group is perfect for us in the way that that we serve.
1: Hold on, I have a memory that I have to share just really quick. I remember we'd been going to Dave and Heather's community group and they're like, oh, by the time you guys are 30, um, you guys are gonna be leading a community group. And we were driving home, we're like, (laughs) (laughs) we're not ever leading a community group. What is he talking about? And 10 years later, we've been leading groups for 10 years now, yep. Yeah. But but God, because we had nothing to do with no. it. We were so nervous. No, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a
2: couple years mm-hmm. of, of group, and it was, yeah, the, I, we both mm-hmm. remember exactly that right at home. We were just mm-hmm. like, yeah, right,
1: we ain't doing that. Right. So I think what we're trying to say is that we we found our niche in how we could have Christ in the center was us serving together. So we went to community groups together. We served in hype together. We led community groups together. Um, we've also served individually, but we've always tried to do something together. As, and so that's helped us learn about God and meet other people and be able to love one another along the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the opportunity to love others as a, an echo of what Jesus loved you. Right. In exactly. Sharing that love. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Um, so, on the flip side um, of you know, sharing some good things and how you've loved one another well, what are some failures in your marriage and how have you had to forgive? and extend grace and love to one another. Mm.
1: Well, we couldn't think of any, Kent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. The rest um, of the night, we're
0: going to be praying for the funks? <laughs> Mike.
1: Uh, so interesting. So we thought about this question today, because he did text us these questions at a time, and we've been married 15 years, just so you guys, or 14 years, right? Almost 14 years? Um, whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we've been married <laughs> 14 years.
2: Uh, We're almost 15 years of marriage, 14, 14 and counting.
1: Oh, okay. Anyway, so we're (laughs) almost married for 15 years. And it's funny because we came up with four main marital failures that we both thought of. And it was funny because if you want to classify whose fault they were, two were my fault and two were his fault. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. There was a lot of minor we didn't, ones, but we, we didn't, came up
2: with four right, major ones.
1: We didn't try to do this. It's just kind of like, well, I feel like the four are like, remember this, that, and this, and that. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's probably it. And I'm like, oh, it just happens to be you two and me two, thankfully. Um, so, okay, so marital failure, number one, all me, my anger, my temperament. Uh, I treated... Kevin, like when he would annoy me, I would treat him the way I saw my parents treat each other because that's all I knew how to do. So I would um, try not to cuss, but sometimes would. Um, I was very short-fused, I would yell, I would use harsh words. Um, I knew that I was good at digging in and saying nasty things with my mouth, and it would tear him down to nothing. And um, I liked it. It was terrible. However, Marital failure in your yeah mind. that's
2: that's yeah okay, so that was that's one thing that yeah she struggles with a little bit um in the beginning. Uh, I'd say she's gotten a lot better at that um so you know extending grace in that failure for me was was to actually see where she's coming from, so I mean, if you ever have anybody get mad at you it's it's probably for a reason, even though they're doing it maybe in the wrong way it's it's for a reason um so so I started to, to, to kind of see if there was things I was doing on a repetitive basis to, to make her angry. So, um, yeah, she may have been angry, but then I started to think, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong that I can correct. Um, and so, yeah, I would, there was definitely, most of the time when she was mad, it was because I did something silly and that I shouldn't have. Um, so then I looked, kind of looked at myself in the mirror. I, you know, made some corrections, and, and uh, yeah, so it would help out
1: and we're both still married yep. so yep. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> yay for that <laughs> alright marriage failure number two mismanaging of our finances so I pretty much he makes the money I spend it is pretty much what happens um, I do pay the bills and that kind of stuff um, So, but for a long time I just wasn't honest with him about our financial situation and I didn't share it with him until it was very bad, and I only did that. I only shared it by the grace of God because going to church every week and going to community groups, I kept feeling convicted. I'm like, at some point, I'm going to tell him, but it was so bad, you guys. I thought he was going to leave me. Like, I... Was devastated. I told him tonight when we were talking about this. I remember exactly where he was sitting on our bed. I remember exactly where I was standing, and I told him, "I'm like, you are free to leave. I understand that I have screwed up, and um, I was fully prepared to have some pretty serious consequences for what I had done."
2: Yeah, um, not not a bright spot in our marriage. However, um, we make mistakes. All the time, in the eyes of Christ, right? We mess up, and so yeah, that was a big mess up. But in the eyes of God, a small sin and a big sin—they're they're equal, right? They're both sin. That whatever. Um, so, but how many times have I offended God? You know, in my in my twenties, or even after I became a Christian, how many times do I do it? Just today. Um, so I just. You know, it it was devastating, but it was also like I'm just I'm just gonna forgive her because that's all I can do, right? I signed up for marriage to for better for worse, richer for poor. Silly decisions or not silly decisions. Um, so yeah, I just I forgave her, and yeah, we moved on, we moved on, and and uh, yeah, we're work, work on it together, and it's it's all good now. So that's her too. <laughs> Let's talk about this guy. I don't really want to, but let's see. All right, so.
1: um, Are we running out of time, Kent?
0: No, you're perfect on time. Go for it. Okay, Okay, great. All right,
1: Um, so
2: who likes the game?
0: Like video game? Video game. Oh, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Mario Kart Uh, counts. Mario Kart counts. counts, counts, Xbox, any gaming system. All right. You remember, You're remember? you playing uh, a
1: game on your iPhone, account.
0: Yes, <laughs> okay. iPhone games do count. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the Halo series, anybody
2: like that? All right, oh. all right Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> so before I was married, so 15 years ago, this tells you how long this series has been going, it, and so it's obviously pretty good. Um, but I was, I was uh, an Xbox Halo guy. Um, yeah, and so I, I, was, I did that a lot before we were married, and... Um, so when we got married, um, I, it's not like I just unplugged the thing, right? I uh, probably should have. So um, I, I did a lot of... So she worked for uh, um, that clothing store while we got married. She was a district manager, so she, she traveled a lot to different stores. Um, some of the times she would travel, she wouldn't get home till like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And I'm like, that's time to party, right? Time to play games. <laughs> um, and so instead of doing dishes, laundry... House upkeep, mowing the, you know, mowing the large stuff, yard, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'd be there, I'd be playing video games until she got home, pretty much. And then I'd see her headlights come in the driveway, and I'd, I'd fire it off and, you know, <laughs> pretend like I'm doing something. Um, so that happened. Our first year of marriage was was pretty bad. So.
1: Um, So some people are given the the gift of grace, (laughs) and some people are not. And so my husband is like a bubblegum machine of grace. He just keeps spitting it out. I, not so much. Uh, I can't even remember how many times, but he can testify to this. On several occasions, I threatened to throw the ex... We live in a cul-de-sac. I threatened to throw it out the window onto the cul-de-sac because... I was livid. I would come home. I'd work like a 12-hour day. He's sitting there playing video games, and there's like mounds of dishes. No, you didn't. (laughs) Okay? So it was really sad because when we had to answer this question, I go, Kevin, I don't know what to say because I'm like, everything that I did, you were all like sweet and loving and forgiving, and then everything you did, I was like, you know? (laughs) Like knock it off. So I feel like I'm not near as gracious um, as he is. But what seemed to be a mountain at the time, I mean, I was like, this is it. This is not what I bought in for. Okay, I am not going to be married to somebody lazy. I'm like, you need to get this stuff done. Um, I don't want to come home from work. And at the time, I think he was only working like half days. I mean, so there was like, no, excuse, okay. Mm. Um, So, but I knew eventually, I knew in my heart that eventually we would see the light. This was never going to be a reason that I would leave him or anything like that. I wanted him by my side no matter what. It was just kind of a that we had to get through. Mm-hmm. But it took about a year. Yeah. So that was yeah. our first year.
2: Yep, took me a little bit to understand where she was coming mm-hmm. from. Um, so my, my, second, my second big thing is, is still, I would, it's still a little bit of a struggle for me, but I, I, I think I've, I've turned a corner finally. Um, so her daughter, Madison, my daughter, of course, as well, but um, her biological daughter, Madison, she was three when we got together. Um and so all three-year-olds are cute, lovable, right? They're just adorable, easy to get along with most of the time. And Madison was so awesome and and very easy to love and she'd fall asleep on me and all that. Um so growing up from three years three years old up to when she, you know she started becoming a teenager, um obviously People change, right? You become a teenager. You start acting differently. Um, You
1: start acting crazy.
2: You start acting crazy. (laughs) This isn't being recorded. No, there's not many teenagers in here, right?
1: (laughs) You guys are rat crazy at home? Don't lie. (laughs) Uh,
2: I don't. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, I didn't know. I didn't really know how to take that. So, I've never had a kid, of course, um, except for Madison. you know, I was the baby of our family growing up, so I didn't really, uh, you know. Um, but as Maddie grew up, she started um, responding different to my, you know, my interactions with her, and it, and it, um, I didn't feel um, like she like loved me as much anymore. Does that make sense? I don't know. She just, she wasn't like, just she wouldn't let me like give her piggyback rides to to her bedroom anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. little little kid stuff, mm-hmm. and so. Um, being kind of a sensitive guy, um, <laughs> i uh, I kind of took that to heart, like I took that like so i started you know I started um, you know criticizing her a little bit more and and uh, coming down on her more than I should have. She is straight a student, but her personality as she 's gotten older she 's more stoic right, and anybody knows Madison she's going to nursing school she's going to be an awesome nurse because trauma does not affect this girl she's like oh oh a bunch of blood mm, okay um so she's very stoic and she is awesome she's she's gonna be a great nurse but um i didn't know how to really take that um so there's there's been a lot of arguments in our house when it comes to treating madison um like being a little bit condescending towards her or or just being being very critical of her actions which um She's she's amazing. And uh, anyway, so I, like I said, I've turned the corner in over the last year or two, and just um, let my wife see it, see if mm-hmm. see how she's forgiven me here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> um, so it broke my heart because Madison adored him. Like if we were going separate ways, she didn't want to go with me. She wanted to go with Cubby. That's what she called him. She wanted to be with Cubby all the time. I want <laughs> Cubby this, Cubby this. To the point where I actually got jealous sometimes. And it definitely shifted as she got older. Um, then she spent more time with, wanted to be with me more mm-hmm. and not with him. And I was thankful for their time and thankful for the time she was spending with me. But there was definitely, you know, some difficult times. And, and there still is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Marital failure number four is still in progress. <laughs> um, but, but I love him. And I love the fact that Madison grew up with a Christian man, as an example. I didn't have, and so I, you know, we're going to get through it, and mm-hmm. I'm thankful for him. So, mm-hmm. Cool.
0: So hopefully you guys have seen, uh, there's one more question, but hopefully you guys have seen this beautiful picture so far and illustrated in, in Kevin and Chrissy's marriage of, of how Christ pursued them, of how Christ has affected their personal marriage and their personal lives and, and how he um, is able to give them grace um, and, and extend mercy. And then also, hopefully you see this picture of being the bride of Christ, how God forgives us and, and how they forgive one another when they fail. And they're echoing God's love and God's forgiveness that God has shown them when they show that love and grace to one another. So hopefully you see this, this real-life picture of this illustration, illustration that we find in the Bible of what it means to be the bride of Christ. Now, one last question. This hopefully will um, be personal for all of us um, because I know for me, as I look back, I mean, I'm already five years out of high school. I feel old, um, and I'm really (laughs) not that old. But there's a lot of things that I would tell my high school and my middle school self uh, of things that I would like to warn my my middle school and high school self. Um, And so this question, I I, I just want to know, from your personal life and, and your marriage mm-hmm. experience, what, um, what would be some advice that you'd want to share with your teenage self, knowing what you know now, especially when it comes to the aspects of dating and preparing for marriage?
1: Boys have cooties that's what I've done now.
0: That has been proven.
1: <laughs> um, in all honesty, I would uh, look at myself and. Just tell myself that I don't need acceptance from the other, you know, from the opposite sex. I need um, acceptance from God, and I wish I would have, um, wish I would have caught on sooner. Um, and it's a shame. So what I would tell myself is is to uh, keep my activities at bay. There's in a lot of activities. I also worked, you know, worked a job while I was in high school. And I would tell myself to keep your activities at bay and because when you do that, you leave room for Christ. And when you don't do that, you suck him right out of your life. Um, if there's no room for margin in your schedule, then the first thing to go is God. You know, oh, I don't have time to go to Hype tonight. Oh, I don't have time to this. You know, um, So I would um, tell myself that, Christy, you can't do this alone. And I would... Um, search, like I would actively search out ways that I could be around and surround myself around Christian people. I would try to find a Christian circle of friends, not always easy, I know that. I would maybe you know pick up a devotion, something that I enjoyed. I would um, try to go to as many church camps as my parents could afford. I would try to go to um, Christian conferences. I would be in FCA. There was no such thing when I was younger. Um, I would go to hype. I would go to other churches. um, Their, you know, their um, you know youth activities or whatever. I would just do what. I would tell myself to go search out those things. And, um, and just try to keep God at the center because I have seen and I have felt and experienced life um, without God at the center and I've seen it with and it is much more beautiful with him at the center.
2: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so some a s- couple of things I would uh, definitely share with myself um, would be um, quit wasting time. I mean, that is, it is amazing. Like she, there's a couple of things she said that fit into exactly what I would tell my my younger self back in the day. It's I wasted so many years of just wanting to do what I wanted to do, and it was like how many opportunities passed me by where God put that one person or that one family or whatever in my path and I you know I just I had blinders on I didn't see it I'm just thinking about what I'm doing that night and and didn't talk to them Um, but I was always wanting to do what I wanted to do it was always my schedule Um, and absolutely uh, how many how many uh, eight to ten hour days of video games did I play and uh, for what you know I mean it just it was a it's complete waste um, now, I will say that video games are not evil, all right? <laughs> Amen. Um, Amen. So, there it definitely is an opportunity for those who like to video game to have a uh, community, right, in video gaming. So, if you want to have friends over, and dude, that's great. All right. so. I had a group of gamer friends that I would actually go around about once every two months. We'd go around to their house and we would bring our Xboxes and TVs and link them all up and get online and have sweet, right? Sweet gaming. And, but here's the thing Christian
1: gamer friends. Christian gamer friends. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is
2: key. That is key. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, um, even, and, and some weren't. Praise God, some weren't. They came and actually heard a message because what we would do. Um, we would actually call like call a halftime. All right, halftime. Like ten, we, we'd start about eh, six or seven o'clock. About ten o'clock, we'd call halftime. We'd have a devotional. One of us um, would just bring out bring out a word of God, uh, a word from God, and um, and just and just talk about something for a good fifteen twenty minutes. Okay, awesome, great, praise God, and then we'd get back to game until about one or two in the morning. So, um, but it, but there's no matter what you do there, there's a way to interject God into it okay mm-hmm. um, I would just say yep to my older or to my younger self um, yeah just 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 find God in everything that you do um, lay lay everything down at the cross and and don't worry about anything just praise God and do not like, I was so worried about being accepted by others be accepted by Christ Christ will give you those those awesome friendships the yes the amen. just mm-hmm. the He'll he'll just provide everything for you. Mm-hmm. He knows you way better than anybody on this earth. I don't care. He knows you way better than yourself. He knows exactly what you're. I w- he designed me for community. He designed me um, for her. Um, so, anyways, yeah. So, so please think about your schedules and, and how you're and how you're spending time. Um, and yeah, and put put God into everything. So,
0: thank you. Yep. Thank you all. Mm-hmm for sharing. Yeah. Appreciate your openness and vulnerability, especially, I, I mean, I was, I had some failures in marriage, and I, you went way deeper than I anticipated, so <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, can we give them a round of applause? Thanks. Thanks. So, as we close, as we close for tonight, I just want to end with this, like, there's every, a lot of things that you, and me, um, would like to, to forget about our past, right? There's a lot of things that we've done that um, we wish that we would have done differently. Um, there's things that we wish we could go back in time and change. Um, but the truth and the beauty of this is, is that whatever is in your past, God has used it as part of your story. God has used it to shape who you are today, to bring you to this moment, to tonight. All of your failures and successes have made you who you are right now. And so the beauty of it is is that who you are right now, God accepts and loves you right now and meets you wherever you're at. Of course, God wants you to keep changing into Christ-likeness, but at this very moment, God is meeting you where you're at. And so as we close, we're going to sing one last song, so I'm going to ask you to stand up again and close in one last song. But as the song is playing and it's talking about Christ being the anchor of our heart and uh, being the anchor of our soul, I, I just want you to realize like no matter the story, no matter the situation, no matter uh, whether uh, you've had really good um, successes or whether, whether there's been major life failures and you've had to ask people for forgiveness or you, you've had to ask God for grace and forgiveness in your life, remember those who, who believe and have a relationship with Christ, you are the bride of Christ. And that He's never going to let you go. That He's always going to be there. He's going to be faithful, going back to this image and this illustration of being the bride of Christ, that He is faithful when we're not. And that if you don't know what that feels like, you don't know what that relationship is, I, I ask you, you know, if you've heard something tonight from Kevin Christie or even the songs or just anything these last four weeks of, of how God loves you and desires to be in a relationship with you, I ask you talk to one of the leaders, talk to me, talk to Kevin or Christy, but like express that. If you don't know what that feels like, if you know that you're not part of the bride right now, like talk to someone about it. So I, I just pray that um, as we sing this last song, just meditate on the words. Just ask yourself, you know, is is Jesus truly the the anchor of my heart, the center of my life, and and what can I And and what's my response to that? It should be just to pray and ask him to be that. And ask God what, what things that I need to do in order to make that happen. So we'll close with this. If you understand, we'll close with this last song.